It is Sunday, October 17th, 2021, and you're tuned into The Blow-Off, powered by Atmark Media, presented by the Hameen Media Group at channelattitude.com. On this week's show, we're talking a little bit of women's wrestling, Rampage versus SmackDown, Roman Reigns, Flying Frogs, the AEW title eliminator, and the G1 update. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the show online at theblowoffpod.com at markmedia.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the C-O-V-I-D. He's the G-A-G from the PWC. He's my man down under. He's my boy, Jimmy T. Welcome back to your show. Hello, what's going on, Jargo, man? And hey, it's the beginning of a new era. It's the blow-off. The blow-off. Man, that intro was mighty fine just quietly, and I'm I'm happy to be here, bro. I'm looking forward to it. Let's get this blow-off started, bro. Episode one, we are recording. It will be up on YouTube. Simply search The Blow-Off Pod on YouTube. You'll be able to watch the video there, and we will be going live starting next week. Evidently, there's some issues with YouTube, and it takes 24 hours to set it up for streaming, and... I don't know. It's stupid. It's all stupid. Jimmy, it's kind of like the world of professional wrestling. It's all stupid. We have got shows going on left. We've got shows going on right. We've got show announcements. We've got show reviews. Everything is just going crazy, man. How are you keeping up inside of this crazy world of pro wrestling right now? Dude, I don't even know how I'm keeping up, man. But there's some interesting stuff going on right now. Not just in uh, AEW, WWE, but New Japan in particular with, with the G1. And, uh, man, I'm a bit on the fence on who's going to win it still, bro. Like, And I'm sure we'll get there, but I'm pretty intrigued right now. I'm fried out, bro. I am <laughs> fried out. Episode one of the blow-off, and I'm opening saying, I am fried. Like, you want to know how fried I am, Jimmy T? I am Hell, so fried that I started getting tweets last night from our friends over at We Are Stardom. My favorite professional wrestling promotion of 2021. Nobody's going to convince me any different that stardom is the promotion of the year when it comes to in-ring work and the stories that they have told over the course of this year. And just wait until Siri captures the title from Utami in December because that's going to happen and it might be the match of the year. Jimmy, they started their tag league. Stardom started their tag league last night. I didn't even know what was happening. And I watch stardom. I'm just watching so much wrestling that, like, I completely missed the tag league announcement. Dude, what's, what's wrong with you, man? I mean, even I knew about the tag league, to be honest with you. I actually came across it. Well, I haven't you, seen much of it, but, like, I, I knew about it. It's all your fault. I just want you to know it's your fault. Because now, now that we're doing Rampage Uncaged over at channelattitude.com for our friends over at the Hami Media Group, now I'm being forced to watch AEW and I just, I don't have time. I don't have between the G1 and tag leagues and super juniors and AEW. And at least I got rid of NXT. You watching any NXT? <laughs> you know what, man? I haven't this week, but I've been meaning to. So I think I might catch up on it tonight, bro, because I've been wanting to do a show about it. So well, definitely going to do it. It's funny that we we open with stardom and, and NXT, and maybe that was by design. Maybe it wasn't. NXT used to have the best women's division in the world. Now stardom has the best women's division in the world. And, Jimmy, I kind of wanted to open and talk about the status of women's wrestling 
in 2021. Of course, the WWE is doing their their Queen's Crown tournament. The, the female version of King of the Ring had a little bit of controversy about that on social media over the course of the last week, week and a half, because they gave the first four matches of the Queen's Crown tournament, get this, seven minutes. No, no, not seven minutes apiece. On All up. four matches in total ran for seven minutes. Jimmy, I'm pretty sure Roman Reigns' entrance takes seven <laughs> minutes. <laughs> At least. But it's true. No, you're right, man. And, and that's weird because they want to call this a women's revolution. <laughs> Come on now. Well, I mean, I, mean, I, feel like the, I feel like the revolution is dead. I mean, like the, the WWE, they still have the best women's talent in the world. It's not about the talent. Charlotte, Sasha, Becky, Bianca, Bailey, Tony Storm, Shayna Baszler. I mean, I'm seven deep just off the top of my freaking head. And that's not even including, you know, Zelina Vega, who's still in this, Carmella, who just got eliminated. For one reason or another, they called up Aaliyah, left Raquel Gonzalez and Io Shirai down in NXT. I'm 10 deep now. I'm 10 deep. That's an incredible women's division. Seven minutes. <laughs> Seven minutes. Well, well, look, Jugger, it's weird because it's becoming a trend in WWE in general. Like, when you think about it, their, their matches in general in the last, say, five weeks or so have been short, man. There's a new sort of format they're trying to go by over here, which is weird because the shows are starting to feel more of a preview for the upcoming pay-per-views, you know what I'm saying? Even though we do get world title matchups and, and you know, title changes. So it's kind of weird, man. And, and that's the wrong approach, too. And I say that because so much of their TV revenue or, or their revenue comes from television, right? Right. 68%. Not that I've looked that up before or anything, <laughs> but 68% of their revenue comes from television. You have all this content to fill. I mean, those four matches, I mean, if if those four matches would have happened in stardom, that would have been an hour and 20 minutes worth of the show. Absolutely. Right, 100%. And like I said, I don't know what WWE is trying to do over here, man, but it's silly. Especially if you're trying to promote the women right now, man, which is just even more silly. And by comparison, we have AEW. And AEW, their women's division now has two titles. They they, they have the, the, the hose title, as our friend Vito LaGrasso <laughs> likes to call it. If you look at that logo, it says hose. It does not say TBS. It says hose. H-O-S. It's the hose <laughs> title exclusively on TBS, right? And then, of course, we've got the AEW Women's Championship. And let's go, kind of go through, you know, their women's division. You have Britt Baker. You have Thunder Rosa. You have Hikaru Shida. You have... Nala Rose. I, I we're, Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, and, and these women are going out there, and AEW is giving them 10 to 12 minutes a match. Yeah. Like, can we get true. the WWE women's roster booked by Tony Khan and like <laughs> flip this around or something? Because WWE has all this incredible talent. They get seven minutes for four matches. AEW, their women's division 
is not on par with what WWE is putting out. Hell, you could argue it's not on par with what Impact is putting out. And they're they're giving them 10 to 12 minutes. Like I said, man, uh, I don't know, I quote Stephanie McMahon. I I believe she said this. We listen to to our audience. She said it again, dude, especially when it comes to the women in WWE, bro. Can you believe that shit? She said it again, bro. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I just... and, right. And, and then look what they're putting out. Seven minutes, everything, all, all the women's matches. Like, come on, dude. And again, I mean, it's not about the talent because they, they no, clearly have the absolutely talent. Not. Absolutely. And in the meantime, you have stardom. Stardom and the five-star Grand Prix, which is their version of the G1. Siri goes through, wins that. We're going to get Siri versus Utami again in December. <laughs> They've already had two matches that are on my short list of match of the year, like two two matches against each other that are probably in my top ten. Wow. And they're going to have a third. Um, These two women are functioning at such a high level that I feel like I would rather watch them than anything else anywhere in the world. Stardom is clicking on all cylinders and people just don't watch it. How I, I don't even know where to begin because obviously we're dealing with Japanese TV when Bushi road bought stardom. They were already locked into a TV deal with a rival company. So Bushi Road is really limited in what they can do. They're running bigger shows. It's catching on in Japan, but I feel like stardom needs more of a global presence. And I'm not really sure how to do that. I mean, they already have the, the, we are stardom show on YouTube. It's free to watch. I mean, what, what more can they do? Well, I was, I was just going to ask you that Jago. I mean, when you say international sort of more of an international flavor, They've got a lot of international wrestlers on their roster. I mean, so I'm not going to say it's that and they need that, but maybe they need to start doing shows in like the States and stuff like that. I mean, and if they did, do you think you'd get a good turnout? I don't know. I don't. Well, I guess number one, what's a good turnout? What would they have to draw? I mean, because what they would have to draw to make a trip to the States worth it versus what I think they could realistically draw are two very, very different things. Well, when it comes to the financial side of things, I don't think they would be expecting to really make too much, if anything, right? Especially in the first few tours. So we'll scratch that part. I'm talking about more, what could they attract? How much could they draw in an arena somewhere in the States, you think? And depending on the city, obviously, too. I'm going to say leniently on the high end, you're probably looking at like, you know, 500 to 1,000 people. Hmm. That's not bad. It's not great, though. But it's not great, right. If you want to showcase especially like the best female talent on the planet, it probably is not going to look too good. Yeah, look, you're right. I I don't know what they need to do, but they need to promote it more. Even though people know about it, but just it's... They don't really let you know like where to find them like that easily. You have to sort of be in the know to I also, watch it. You know I, what I'm saying? I also like, well, I approve of like New Japan Pro Wrestling putting stardom matches on big shows. Right. 
Absolutely. Don't make them just feature matches, right? Where they're, you're taking like four women making two oddball tag teams and here is the finest that we have to offer. No, like give me Suri versus Utami and just put it on freaking Wrestle Kingdom. Like j- just right. put the match on Wrestle Kingdom. J- the, you know, continuation of your storylines. You know what, Jago? Can I ask you something? Do you think it would be time eventually to buck the trend, right, and actually incorporate stardom into New Japan Pro Wrestling, like, you know, fused together, like, as New Japan Pro Wrestling? No, I don't. Um, no? However, I do think that stardom could, you know, send over maybe, you know, four to six women and have them train at the LA Dojo with Shibata and incorporate yeah, them yeah. into Strong. That I could see because it's more of a Western presentation right, where right, you have right. both men and women on the show. I like stardom and New Japan being completely separate. I mean, I, I, I'm all for them doing like crossover shows for like Wrestle Kingdom, Dominion, King of Pro Wrestling, you know, big feature shows. Like, go ahead and have a couple stardom matches. But I, I like the WNBA being one league and I like the NBA being another league. You know, I, I, I don't need the incorporation i i like because i mean here in the states right we talk about wwe they need an all women's show and then when Mm -hmm. we go to japan and we're like they need to combine stardom and new japan and it's like wait we have our own women's show and it's really freaking good (laughs) like just watch the damn thing well, as Daniel Bryan used to say, like, and I'm talking about Daniel Bryan, not Fickle. Bryan Danielson. Fickle, exactly. Fickle. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's true, man. We're fucking fickle, bro. I mean, it, it is what it is, but uh, it, it's a tough one, man. I don't know what they really need to do. All I know is maybe they should team up even with possibly well. Oh, well, uh, they did have a working relationship with Ring of Honor. For quite a while, like Mayu Iwatani is a, a former Women of Honor world champion. Um, of course, the Sumi Sakai has a lot of connections to stardom. Hannah Kimura did a lot of runs over at Ring of Honor. I mean, go ahead, bring Tam Nakano over for a tour. Send Mayu over for a tour. God knows she ain't doing anything in stardom <laughs> except getting her ass whipped by the Starlight Kid, which I love. Love it. <laughs> Best story in wrestling right now. Starlight Kid. People are like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? <laughs> well, you know what sucks, man? I want to get into this stuff, right? But because there's so much already that I already need to watch, it's just impossible to find the time, and which is sad because if I had the choice, I would probably switch it up big time, you know what I mean, with the way I watch wrestling right now. But unfortunately, you got to cover what people want to hear, right? So, Okay, okay. I'm going to go on a rant, all right? Please do. Tell me this is not the best story in wrestling, right? So inside of stardom, they do these matches, and then it's an elimination match. It's typically like a five-on-five tag. And the last person who gets pinned inside of the match is forced to join the other team because everybody in stardom, much like New Japan, everybody's in factions, right? So you have Mayu's team, which is the stars, versus Oedo Tai, the big, bad, evil bitches inside of stardom, right? And they have this match, and Starlight Kid is the one that loses. Starlight Kid is forced to join Oedo Tai. She's in tears. Mayu's in tears. And Mayu vows, I will get you back, right? Like, we will do this match again, and I will get you back. And sure enough, they do the match again. 
Starlight Kid loses, and Starlight Kid has to go back over to Stars. And you know what? What Starlight Kid says? Fuck you, Mayu Iwatani, you (laughs) fucking bitch. I'm staying with Oedo Tai, and I'm going to whip your ass because you've been holding me back all these years. It wasn't until I joined Oedo Tai that I saw the evil of your ways. Like, this is the best story in wrestling. It's like, swerve, swerve, swerve. Nobody saw that coming. Oh, my God. Oh, the heartbreak. It's great. Watch stardom, people. Damn, it's good shit. (laughs) True. Like I said, I've got to start watching it more often myself, man. You know what else people need to start watching more often, Jimmy T? What's that? AEW Rampage. Not just because we cover AEW Rampage <laughs> over at Rampage Uncaged, part of the Hamid Media Group at channelattitude.com. Did you see the uh, the early reports for the, the numbers coming in for Rampage this week? I did, man. And you know what? I was oh, kind of surprised. Ouch. Now, I do think that once the numbers settle on Monday, that's typically when the ratings will drop, um, that we are going to see Rampage is going to beat SmackDown in a couple of demographics. The the viewership right. is close enough. I think that's going to happen because it ain't like SmackDown put up big numbers on FS1. That was, that was shocking, dude, to be fair. <laughs> um, I, I guess on a positive note... 1.2 million people were watching wrestling on Friday night. I, I That's the positive spin on things. Unfortunately, those 1.2 million people were kind of split between you know, multiple shows. Um, Friday night is where TV shows go to die. That is a, a widely known industry secret. Jimmy, I think... Turner and Warner Media are pretty happy with the Rampage numbers. I think if they do somewhere between 500 to 650,000 a week in that awful time slot, they're going to be okay. But I think the bigger story here, SmackDown when they go to FS1, they really take it on the chin. They I mean People are talking about the AEW number and how low the AEW number is. Look at that WWE number. When you're thinking you 2.4 million people on broadcast Fox and then you go over to FS1 and it's 700 and some odd thousand, I think the bigger story here is WWE and everybody's talking about AEW. I agree, man. I, I I never expected the ratings to be that bad. I, I'll be I'll be truthful with you there, Jago. I mean, come on, because SmackDown's been doing pretty well, you know, all, with all considering on Fox. But like you said, that's a network television. You know what I mean? It's like a free to wear network that everybody's got access to. Well, and this happened and if, last year too during baseball right. playoffs. They got bumped over to FS1. They drew seven hundred and eighty thousand. So it was the same sort of uh, rating even back then? Okay. Yeah, uh, and I, I feel like that's the, the scary part. Like, people want to talk about the SmackDown rating, and, oh, well, you, the SmackDown rating is, you know, two and a half times what AEW is. <laughs> yeah, but that's on broadcast, and there's a little bit of a difference there. A huge difference, dude. And, and to be fair, even if Rampage was going head-to-head with SmackDown every week, right, they've got no chance on ever really beating SmackDown because one's on cable television, the other one's like network television. So, but when it's real. on FS1, that's when Tony Khan starts running his freaking mouth. <laughs> He's such a little pipsqueak, bro. Well, like you know what? 
people were pissed off at Tony Khan for all of his comments, right? Okay, but I think this was strategically done. I think Tony Khan's oh, comments were absolutely like... WWE took the first shot, right? They're going over to FS1. They could have just let it go. They didn't have to right. go that extra half hour. They didn't have to do <laughs> Becky and Bianca in during that. They, they didn't have to advertise Brock Lesnar during that last. Oh, commercial free. Like they loaded it up again. And they only did that to screw Rampage. That was the <laughs> only reason that they did that. And Tony Khan saw that and was like, no, no. <laughs> And so he goes out and he causes a big stir on Twitter and all the AEW fans were like, no, no. <laughs> and so those AEW fans did not tune into SmackDown, even though I don't think there's necessarily a big crossover audience. They did tune into the buy-in on YouTube so that they could watch Brian Danielson and Minoru Suzuki beat the ever-loving crap out of one another. And then they tuned into Rampage but clearly, that's about, you know, 570,000 people. Yeah, and I mean, look, by AEW and Rampage standards, I think it done very well, I think, right? In that awful and time slot on, on TNT. Because what, what people lose is what would TNT be running if it wasn't Rampage? Are they going to run Captain Marvel for the 800th <laughs> time this week? Jimmy, I'm well, not maybe. kidding you. I tuned into Rampage. They were running Captain Marvel right before it, right? I tuned into Dynamite last night. Guess what was on right before it? Captain Marvel. The same freaking movie with the same freaking cat throwing up on freaking Samuel L. Jackson's desk. Like, what the oh, hell, man? Yeah. Like, all they do is they just run Marvel movies. Like, that's their programming, right? You get you get your daytime syndicated crap, and then you have, you know, Marvel movies. They're happy to get a half a million viewers on TNT at you know ten o'clock on the East Coast. I don't think Fox is going to be happy with seven hundred and eighty thousand on FS1. That's no, not that's... what they signed up for. No way, dude. No, no way. And uh, look, to be fair though, to WWE, I'll put a bit of blame on Fox here because I didn't even realize it was on FS1. Like. The, they weren't really advertising it like they should have, in my opinion. Like, you know, it should have been more sort of known. Like, it was easy for, for me to forget, man. You know what I mean? Rick so, and I had this conversation, and I think Rick was intoxicated. I know. Big surprise, listeners. Rick was intoxicated while we had a very serious conversation. But we, we diagnosed what is wrong with the wrestling business, Jimmy. We know how <laughs> well, to fix it now. We know please, how to fix please, it. Please do tell. Wrestling only markets itself to wrestling fans. When's the last time you saw a SmackDown commercial on anything that wasn't a WWE product? When's the last time you saw a Monday Night Raw commercial? When's the last time you saw an AEW Dynamite commercial or a Rampage commercial? When's the last time you saw them advertise a pay-per-view on a random football game, you know, in the middle of October? They don't. They market to wrestling fans, and that's it. They are marketing to the people that are already watching the freaking show, and that's why the audience keeps shrinking because the casual fans, they don't even know it's there. They don't, they don't even try to market themselves to casual fans. They only market to their base. 
Well, to be fair, to be fair, there, there's been plenty of times where I've been watching the basketball on, on TNT and they've advertised Dynamite. Have they? Pay-per-views. Yeah, they have. They have. I've seen it. Believe me, they do. Well, I guess that, that does do. kind of explain why, you know, one show's numbers have went up over the course of the last year. And, you know, right. WWE, it's crazy to me if you go back and you look at WWE numbers from even like two years ago, they've lost like a third of their audience. It's crazy, right? I mean, and this goes back all the way to, to 2001, dude. It's yeah. been a real slow, slow decline, dude. Like, literally. But now it's starting to really grow rapidly where it's just, you I know what I mean? No diving. When I started subscribing to the, the PW Torch, Wade Keller's newsletter and stuff back in the day, right? And it was, oh, my God, what are the USA executives going to do if the ratings drop below a three? Huh, true. And it's now, true. now they're barely hitting one. It's crazy, bro. And they're still giving billions of dollars for these rights. And I understand why, because it's it's new programming every week, like all the time. I mean, it makes total sense. But in saying that, everyone's tuning out, dude. I was talking the to the course- vet this morning. Right. From next level, of course, over yeah, at Hockey yeah, Media. Of and uh, he, he made the comment that ratings don't matter. And I'm like, oh, the ratings matter. The Anybody tries to tell me the ratings don't matter, go look at the financials. 68% of your revenue. The ratings right, matter. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, it does, man. It does. And that's why I don't understand that argument still happening. No, the not, not, that, not that, when all of this money is coming from the TV deals. You know, the right. TV companies, they don't care how many Twitter followers they have. They don't care how many times somebody watched their YouTube video. Like, they want you to watch the TV show. So, more importantly, you watch the commercials. Like, I, this is something that was grilled into my head when I started working in TV. And I never thought about it until I started working in television, right? Right, makes the, sense. <laughs> the TV show is there to get you to watch the commercials, not Absolutely. the other way around. Absolutely, and that makes total sense, man. It makes total sense. And and who would know better than yourself who actually works in television? So the fact that anybody would want to argue with you, especially if they're not in the same field as yourself, is pretty stupid in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's wrong, people? Come on now. I don't, I don't tell brain surgeons how to perform brain surgery. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, SmackDown does have one thing going for him, and that thing's name is Roman Reigns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, although although uh, there are reports out there, and I have not heard anything corroborated, and I have checked, that Roman and Vince got into it at SmackDown. Really? I haven't heard that one before. I actually have not heard that. The rumor is that Vince did not like what Roman had to say about AEW on social media because he felt like like Roman was giving AEW press. And as we all know, that's a big no-no inside of the world of the WWE. They would rather pretend like outside wrestling companies do not exist. And I hear there was um, a a bit of a (laughs) blow-up. A blow up on the blow off, uh, a, a bit of a blow up between Vince McMahon and Roman Reigns. Uh, one report that I have heard even said that they had to be separated backstage. Really? Um, and that's the one that kind of makes me go, 
Vince is like 80. Would he really <laughs> get up in Roman's face like that? Who knows? It's dude. Vince McMahon. Maybe. It, like, I could kind of <laughs> see that happening. Can you imagine? Oh, it's your fault. <laughs> He'd be like, you know, losing his shit. It's all your fault. So, so, so let's talk about the kayfabe, right? On right. SmackDown, we have Brock Lesnar come out, throw his feet up on the table. And uh, did you see this segment from SmackDown? This was freaking great. I sure did. Oh, brilliant. And it didn't go long either, which was which I felt was even better. Like, you know what I mean? It was it was straight to the point and boom, it left you like sort of wanting more, man, which I liked. It, it was great. Roman comes out, he's he does his little, you know, Shakespearean monologue. <laughs> And he signs the contract and he passes it over to Brock and Brock doesn't even look at the contract. He just signs the damn thing, gives it back to him. And Roman's like, you're a freaking moron. You know that? And Brock's like, I don't need to read the contract. Paul read it for me earlier. <laughs> and the crowd reaction was fucking priceless, bro. Dude, that's like, money. Oh, yeah, hey, that's money, yeah. right? Absolutely. And people tried to tell me for years, like... Oh, well, Brock can't talk. That's why he's got Heyman. Oh, and it's like, you are bullshit. crazy, dude. Brock Lesnar is money on the microphone. It's just Heyman's better, right? That's it, man. Yeah, no, he can't fucking talk. <laughs> Where are you with this Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman, love triangle storyline they've got going on? And Jimmy, what are you expecting as we go into Blood Money? What is this? Four or five? Five, uh, I think. Blood I Money think five? I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's five. What, what, what's going on here? Who's playing who? You know what, man? At, at first, like, this totally swerves me a little bit, dude, because I was convinced that Heyman would, you know, stay with the bloodline and sort of push away, you know, Lesnar. But now I'm not too sure, bro. But the thing is, if he does go back with Lesnar, say, right, where does that leave the bloodline? in all of this like where do we go after that you know well if that is the case right so i think the way that that would happen then is paul does something that screws roman out of the title in saudi arabia brock lesnar has not lost a match in saudi arabia yet the crown prince <laughs> likes him very much so brock lesnar walks away as the universal champion with paul Heyman, right i think that is a possibility and then what does Roman do? Well, Roman's pissed off. Roman's pissed off at Brock Lesnar. Roman's pissed off he doesn't have his championship. And more importantly, Roman Reigns is pissed off at Paul Heyman. So, I mean, the Roman Reigns show now becomes Roman Reigns destroying his show. He's going to take out everybody until he gets to Brock. But the problem is that turns Roman babyface. That turns the entire bloodline babyface. And I like babyface Brock. Like I, I, I'm, I'm fully on board for babyface Brock, even though I'm not really sure about Brock Lesnar being like you know this psychological torturist that they're kind of making him out to be. Like, never thought Brock was you know the cerebral assassin. Sorry, Hunter. You know what I mean? But like, he doesn't think that deep. Come on, Jeez. I'm, I mean, I'm intrigued. Like, I almost feel like everybody goes their own way here. And see, that's my issue. And if this was all the plan by Vincent Kennedy McMahon to just turn Roman back to babyface, this would make me go nuts. 
But in saying that, I don't think they're going that way anyway because let's be real, you know, look at the way they pitched it on SmackDown. It tends to really mean he's going to stay with Reigns and not really go the way with Brock, man. I just don't well, see it. What I'm saying, what what happens if Paul is the scorned lover on the outs, right? Like, <laughs> That's funny. Like, like, well, I mean, what happens if, you know, the match ends, Brock wins the title, right? Like by some nefarious means, like say like, Paul does something that goes against Roman, but not intentionally, right? Like Paul okay. slides the title into Roman <laughs> to hit Brock with it. Brock gets it away from Roman, clocks Roman with it. So Roman's protected in the booking. Brock gets the title and Brock's like, <laughs> yeah, screw you, Paul, and walks out, right? So you don't get Paul and Brock and Roman's like, Paul, you just cost me the title. Screw you. <laughs> and Roman leaves too. And Paul's the guy on the outs. And now Paul's like, oh crap. I just lost both my meal tickets. But now you just made me think of something. That's when you say hello to Parker Bordeaux. Was that his name? Or whatever his name is. Well, what's his last name? The Parker dude that looks like Brock Lesnar. Uh, I have no idea. Is it Parker Bordeaux? Something like that, that man. sounds right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it is, right? But if I'm butching it, sorry, but I'm pretty sure it is Parker Bordeaux. But that would be the perfect point to introduce him on the main roster and Paul Heyman being the advocate to this new up-and-coming next big thing of a kid, dude. And And in the meantime, you can have Paul trying to get back into Brock's good graces and Brock's like, screw you, Paul. And so then Paul goes and he tries to get back into Roman's good graces. And Ugh. Roman's like, screw you, Paul. Maybe he goes to the Usos and he's like, you've got to talk to Roman for me. And they're like, screw you, Paul. <laughs> like, and just that you could have that go on for weeks where Paul's just losing his mind and he doesn't know what he's going to do. And maybe that's when you bring in Parker or Bordeaux or whatever. I'm pretty sure, actually, I just looked it up. It is Bordeaux, so I got it right. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, look at the kid, though, man. He looks exactly like a young version of Brock Lesnar. Like, tell me it wouldn't make total sense. Not only does it elevate, you know, a new kid on the block, literally, but then you've also got a new program with possibly Brock and, and Roman. Roman Reigns. Right. So, I mean, why not? Why not go there? But I know they won't, but it would be good if they did. Yeah, I like but it. We'll I, see. I feel like there's a lot of possibilities, but I feel like all the intriguing ones end with Brock Lesnar leaving Crown Jewel as the Universal Champion. I'm all for it, man. I mean, heck, but I do like this Roman Reigns run. If it was up to me, I'd let Roman have this title for another two years. I, I truly mean that. Just let him keep that thing forever for I, now. You know what I mean? I, I kind of want another dynamic to Roman. Like, I want another gear. Like, give me angry Roman. Like, he's been so cool and calm and collected. And the only way I can think to make Roman really angry is to have him lose the title. I, I, I like Roman with the title. I'm just afraid that it's been going on for so long that people are going to get bored with it when you don't have any contenders outside of Drew McIntyre after Brock Lesnar. It's true, man. I mean, who can really, like, step up to him other than Drew McIntyre? And right now, Brock Lesnar. So, and you already fed Drew to Roman, so <laughs> I I don't care. That's the problem too with WWE, man. They really love building up their guys just to bring them straight back down. 
I don't know if it's all psychological to fuck with him and whatnot, which it probably is. But like, why? Why bother, man? You know what I mean? Like, let these guys freaking get over. You know what I mean? Please, Shit, for the I love don't... of God, get somebody right. over. <laughs> Jesus, man. Anybody. And that's the problem. Anybody. But maybe there's a lot to it when they say about they don't want to push it. They don't want to put the rocket ship on anyone really anymore because they're paranoid that they might leave professional wrestling and do what The Rock did and John Cena has been doing and Dave Bautista and head off to Hollywood. And I think Roman's the next one on that list. Absolutely. I mean, look at him. He looks like a million bucks, dude. Why wouldn't he be? Yep. Let's uh, let, let's go to Dynamite from last night. And, Jimmy, I just... Flying frogs? <laughs> like, what? Uh, what look, was that entire thing? Oh, you don't know? Well, I mean, okay. So you have Andrade says he's bringing in a couple of his friends, right? right. It turns out that those friends are FTR in the flying frog gimmick, which I don't understand. Then we get that awkward <laughs> okay. back. We, 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 we get that awkward sequence. Well, I, the part I don't understand is why FTR and Andrade would have anything going on together. That's the part I don't understand. Like FTR went in the, the AAA tag team titles and everything. Totally cool with that. But why in the flying frogs gimmick? What was that entire, what was that entire gimmick between MJF and Andrade backstage about uh, totally coming out in the green shirt that looks like the frying frogs gimmick. Like the whole segment was just, it was a train wreck dude, because I had no context. I had no idea what was going on. Like why would FTR be hanging out with Andrade? That's the, the, the biggest question that I have. And what was this whole Andrade MJF thing backstage? Like what? Well, first of all, that I don't have a fucking clue, bro. All right. That don't even, I don't know what the fuck is going on like, there, right? But as far as the flying frog thing goes, right, which is making me laugh just thinking about it. Don't you remember back in WWE when FTR was in WWE? Do you remember when Vince Man came up with that concept of like the the green attire? Okay. You know, and turning him into a jokes so like they're fucking uh like they he wanted them to be like um elves or some shit. Yeah. Right? So when they came out in this wrestling gear, it's exactly if you look at the concept, the WWE FTR concept that Vince McMahon presented to him, right? Is exactly what they're wearing, bro. Which kind of made me laugh. Like, and I get it, man. Not many people know the context to that, right? <laughs> but and which is silly they should explain themselves a little better which they don't as we all know right but i did find it funny that popped me because it's just dumb and silly but really this is all dumb and silly anyway that's the problem that i have it's dumb and it's silly and i don't want my pro wrestling to be dumb and silly outside of orange cassidy like, and I don't have any tolerance for Orange Cassidy. I don't have any tolerance for Toru Yon. I want my pro wrestling to be serious. If you don't take it seriously, how am I supposed to take it seriously? That's the problem that I have. Like, 
as I look at pro wrestling and, and the comedy inside of it, like the Orange Cassidy thing, it kind of works. The Toru Yano thing, it kind of works in spots. But I just, no. It's crazy, bro. It's crazy. <laughs> it really is. It, when you put it like that, Jago, it makes me laugh. Because it's like, what the fuck are we watching these days, right? And like, what are we like, doing? I, you know, it's true. We're wasting our fucking lives, bro. <laughs> like, like if what, I tune into the Sopranos, I don't need, you know, Jerry Seinfeld to show up halfway <laughs> through the episode. You know what I mean? Like, I just <sighs> no, no, <laughs> I don't like it. No. But as but as far as um, back to the FTI and Andrade and MJF and the Pinnacle and the, are they still the thing? Is the Pinnacle even around? What are we getting here? I don't have a clue. But this is what you call a mess. Yeah, I mean, it felt like WWE six months of creative in six minutes, but I I it just I had no idea like what was going on. I had well, no like Chris and I. Like Chris and I always mentioned on the skirmish and stuff, it's bipolar booking, dude. It really is. It I mean, really is. I mean, look at it, and that's what drives me nuts about AEW because, like I was saying on the on the Uncaged show on HMG, if they just get the little things right, the show would be so fucking good, right? Like it'd be perfect, but they still fuck up the little things and the fundamentals in many ways. It's like they just throw something, whatever sticks, bang. And and you know what? They fluked a lot of home runs at times, man, where I don't think they even meant to fucking hit it out the park, but they just did, right? But sometimes, man, shit looks confusing and silly and just dumb. Outside of the flying frogs, um, I didn't care for Dynamite last night. I just I didn't think it was that good of a show. It felt like a throwaway show. Because now, ever since we did Rampage Uncaged, I'm looking at Dynamite differently now. Because it was like, you know, I made the comment on on, on Rampage. I don't, I don't think any of these segments were good, but I thought it was a, a decent show. And yeah, so I watched, I kind of watched Dynamite in that same context last night. There was one segment I thought was really, really good on that show. And I thought the show was good. Like, it was a fine two-hour watch. But every, everything outside of the Hangman Page promo... I didn't feel like it was a good segment. I agree, man. I I thought it was very flat. I mean, it's just one of those shows. It meant nothing. And like the Malachi Black thing at the beginning, like what is like a demon, like trying to come out of him now? Is that, what are we doing? I, I, I felt so confused. We're going back to Cody and Malachi Black, I believe next week, actually, Jago. So, uh, and the thing is the wrestling is good. Like the matches themselves, I can watch and, and and it's fine, but the narrative structure and the storytelling and the progressing of storylines need to hire Ben Hameen, EVP at WTF. You know, like they, Hameen would have looked at that freaking segment with the flying frogs and been like, "Guys, what the fuck are we doing?" And who the fuck is coming up with this shit in the first place? Is it TK Booker of the Year or fucking? Is it the inmates running the asylum? Um, my understanding is, 
All right. As far as the AEW creative process goes, it's very, very similar to New Japan. Okay. So, so it's like me and you, right? We're, Gato sits us down and they're like, you and you together, right? <laughs> uh, six months, right? We're going to have our creative program for six months. Right. Go figure out what the hell you want to do and come let me know. And I'll tell you that's if it's it. good or not. Like, th- that's my, uh, like, the pro wrestlers are being pro wrestlers and the pro wrestlers are telling their pro wrestling stories. It's not Tony Khan sitting down and saying, oh, we're going to do the hero's journey with Sammy Guevara. That's what, you know what I mean? Like that, that's not what's going on. You know, it's like the two of you, you're going to be working together for the next six weeks. So-and-so goes over at the end, figure it out. Hey, and I'm all for that because like you just said, if he says, you know, so-and-so is going over, you got six weeks, figure it out how you, how you get there. Right. So, I mean, that sounds cool, but sometimes someone needs to take control. I don't know if it's the agents. I think the agents need to really step up in AEW. Well, and the thing is, like like I said, though, Jimmy, like the matches I think are fine, right? Like I'm right, fine right. with the actual in-ring product. It's the narrative and the storytelling aspect, which the agents aren't really a part of. Right, right. They're just the match structures, right? No, you're, that's true. You know, and it's 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 – I feel like pro wrestlers – are learning how to be pro wrestlers again. Like rather than having somebody just force fed to them, this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. This is what the script is. They're actually being forced to be creative and come up with stuff and pitch their ideas and be professional wrestlers again. So are you saying like we got like a big reset once again of like the human race, but in this case, the professional wrestlers. Well, I mean, look at everybody that is come, like, look, Ruby Soho is going through it right now. Right. Right. Where she comes in, she comes in hot punks going through it. They come in, they come in hot and they're like, okay, what am I doing? I don't know. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, wait, I have to figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> and I, I feel like it, they have to learn what the hell it is that they're doing again. It's not just about the end ring anymore. They don't have somebody telling them, okay, this is, we're going to go from here to here to here to here to here. Make sure you hit this bullet point, this bullet point, this point. You like, Tony will be like, I want you to bring up this, this, and that. And then they go and they write their freaking promo. Well, I hope it's I pro hope wrestling. It's, right. I mean, Hey, look, if if that's the case, it's cool. But <coughs> at the same time, they need a filter too, man. Let's be real. You know what Agreed. I mean? So, so yeah. like, I hope TK is balls. You know, he's got big balls enough to where he'd put his foot down. You know what I'm saying? Especially to the EVPs, even even if that's even a thing. Like, is that even a thing, Jago? Like, do you know anything about that? Do the EVPs really have an EVP status per se? Um, yes, I think. That's what I mean. Right. I, I That's mean, how I feel. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Is it just a title? You know what I mean? Is it just, you know, well, I mean, our dicks are bigger than everyone the, else's? You the know? EVPs, from my understanding, are very busy backstage with, with okay. making the wheels go for well, that's what I hear, right. Yeah. That's my okay, understanding. That's cool. You, that's whether, cool they, whether they all like each other at this point or not completely oh. up for debate from what i hear well i definitely will say that cody and kenny do not get along i'm telling you i don't think they ever did i i agree 100 i think there's always been that personal professional 
animosity towards each other and, and not animosity in a negative sense. Well, I'm, just, I'm, I'm talking more like I'm better than you type of shit. Like Kenny believes he's a better professional wrestler than, say, Cody is, and I think vice versa. There are people that you just don't click with, right? right. Like, th- there are people that your personalities are just so far apart that you just, you don't click. You don't agree on anything. You don't see anything the same way. You know, it's no fault of either one of yours. You just. It is what it is. It is what it is. And I feel like Cody and Kenny have always been that way. Yeah, I agree, man. And I've, you can always sense that sort of tension, man. Like, and sure, you could, you know, point it out to her. It's professional wrestling. They're doing it on purpose. But you can tell when it's legit and when it's not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, let's talk about this uh, title eliminator tournament that they they brought up uh, on last night's show. Um, I I don't understand this. I just I I don't understand this. So I I hear we're gonna have eight people. We're gonna put them into a tournament. Whoever wins the tournament is then gonna be you know the next contender for either Kenny or Hangman, depending on which one comes out of full gear. Right? Okay. Cool. I can get down with that in concept. Here are the names in the matchups <laughs> for round one. And what in the hell, right? Number one, your first match, Dark Orders 10 takes on John Moxley. I wonder how that match is going to go. Ratings, bro. Powerhouse <laughs> Hobbs, who I like a lot, takes on Orange Cassidy, who I know. I'm not even, I'm, I, I've said enough. <laughs> Dustin Rhodes takes on Brian Danielson, which I expect will actually be a very, very good match, but I feel like the conclusion is is rather well-determined. And then the, the match that I'm probably looking the most forward to, because this is going to be awesome. Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston. That's going to be awesome. Although I'm not sure either guy has been booked into a position to where they should be inside of an eight person tournament for a title shot. Um, I look at these names, 10 orange Cassidy powerhouse Hobbs, Dustin Rhodes, Lance Archer, Eddie Kingston, all of you. Thanks for coming. You have no business being in this tournament, John Moxley and Brian Danielson. Boy, your names kind of stick out like a sore thumb on opposite sides of the bracket. Can we just skip to the finals already, Jimmy? Like what in the hell are we doing here? You tell me, bro. I mean, what the fuck is this shit? And talk about a weak friggin' tournament. Like, come on. And I mean, like, Are we supposed to take this shit serious? Adam Cole should be in this tournament. Like, Jungle Boy should probably <laughs> be in this tournament. Like, if you want to just like take you like your top eight contenders, or or you know two through nine, because one and two obviously you're, you're gonna have them face each other. So you take two through nine. You have the champ versus number one. Two through nine, eight person tournament. Cool. Let's get after it, right? Like, I can get down with that. The Dark Order is 10? No disrespect, Hobie, but you ain't been booked into a into a position to where you should be in this tournament. I don't get it, bro. I'm confused. Again, it comes back to that fucking bipolar booking, bro. 
what the fuck? Like Darby, this? Miro, Jungle Boy. Where, like where, 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 where are all these guys at? Oh, I take it back. I take I take back what I said earlier. The Miro segment was absolutely mwah, fantastic. That was a perfect segment for AEW. There were two segments on Dynamite I liked. Well, <laughs> it wasn't one. It was two. I was wrong. There were, there were two. But still, man, like that Miro okay, segment was awesome. That, and even with Miro, why did it take him so long? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what was he doing before that? Like, come on, man. I know he's selling his loss and whatnot, whatever, right? But come on, man. I don't oh, know, Mira. man. The way the way that promo came across with him questioning his God and saying, you know, if you're not going to gift it to me, then I will take vengeance upon you. And like, there was what some deep shit going on in that promo, but, but and it was awesome. Mean? No, it's awesome. But where does that go to? Like, what's he going to do? Is he going to take it out on everybody? Like, yes, say, no or? more redeemer. Now you get the Avenger. <laughs> the Avenger to himself. No, he's gonna he's gonna avenge God. <laughs> this is gonna this clearly ends with Miro versus Shawn Michaels. Oh, <laughs> if I need it right now, those the pew, 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 pew button, dude. Imagine that we get God against Miro, like legit. We get Morgan Freeman. <laughs> that would be brilliant, bro. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know right. why that would be cool, but it would be cool. Or wait, isn't that isn't that show where um, Steve Buscemi plays God? Isn't that a TBS show? Maybe we can get a yes, crossover yeah. there, so you could get Steve Buscemi versus Miro. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be, that would be brilliant, bro. That would be brilliant. But Fucking man. bring Harry Potter along with him, man. <laughs> like Miro's gonna kill both these guys. Oh, man. Miro's money, bro. I think he'd be great in Hollywood too, man, if if he ever gets the chance. I, I truly believe that. I think he'd be good in all sorts of movies too, bro, like comedy, like action, whatever you want, bro. I reckon he could pull it off. I think he's going to be an amazing AEW World Heavyweight Champion. I Especially think at the heel, I think. If, if Hangman dethrones Kenny, which I do expect. You think, right. Then I, I want Miro to dethrone Hangman. When, when it comes time, I mean, we might be a year from that. Right, right. But, no, but no, for sure. Miro, I think, is is the next guy in line. Or if you book Miro to get the title now, where he takes it away from someone like a hangman. I know we were talking about this last week, but you were saying it in terms of like Daniel Bryan taking away hangman's dream, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But I say, fuck that. How about Miro just coming and absolutely take that shit off him, you know what I'm saying? And, like, just run with it. Let him have a real heel run with the world title fucking belt because can he really wait a year? I feel like Miro's right now getting really hot, man. I mean, he's been hot for a long time, but I think the strike while the pan is still frying, bro, because I think it'd be brilliant if he did something like that. It'd, it'd make a statement, that's for sure. Well, when it comes to a baby face, all the money is in the chase. The title, right. it's not Absolutely. in the reign. So, I mean, maybe even by like double or nothing, you know, maybe we're like, oh, there's no way Hangman's losing the title already. You know what I mean? And Miro's See? just yeah. like, yeah, no, I'm going to take it away from him. You know, and then Hangman's forced to go back on the chase. You, you know what I mean? Because... Do you see Hangman being a long reigning champion? 
when he takes that title? I don't. Not really. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't know why. I just don't, man. I guess it all depends on how he he presents himself, I guess, once he does get the belt because he's hot, man. You can't deny it. The fans want him, dude. Well, and people like, say Austin. Well, what about Austin? Austin was a great champion, really. All the money that I remember was in Austin chasing the title, not in him holding it. Exactly. Exactly, dude. You don't even really think of the belt as much as... You oh, yeah, yeah. I think like the smoking him. skull belt and all that. Right. I also remember That's him it. losing it constantly and having to go get it back, you know, because right, all the money absolutely. was in the chase. I, I totally agree. I think Austin would have still been a huge megastar even without the title, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? He could have been chasing that forever for, you know, and he still would have been what he is, you know. But, yeah, it's true, bro. I mean, I think Hangman, if you do it now, people will be all right with it. If you sort of make him win the title and then lose it like in the first month you might get a lot of blowback but in saying that Miro is the right man to take that sort of heat man yeah I think so I think so and I think he'd be absolutely freaking fantastic let's wrap things up Jimmy with a little bit of a G1 update we've got A block going down on Monday we've got B block going down on Wednesday we've got the finals of the G1 climax going down on Thursday just so we've got enough time to turn around and oh yeah we're gonna have best of the super juniors and world tag league going on right after the g1 on the build up to wrestle kingdom that means a whole lot more tournament wrestling and a whole lot more sleepless nights for me <laughs> a block uh we've got four guys that are really still in this thing ishii is technically still in it but you, you have to have a couple of draws and and ishii has to win and the the right guy has to lose and then the sun has to set at a 45 degree angle and it's very complicated for ishii to win he's not going to win right so you, the top four we have kota ibushi shingo takagi kenta and zach saber jr Kenta and Ibushi, the main event of the first night. I assume that it is going to come down to those two. Are they really going to let Ibushi go to his fourth straight G1 final? I hope not, bro. I just. I hope not. But look at it. I know looking at the standings, I mean, shit. You know what I mean? But I hope not, bro. I'm hoping it doesn't go that way. But then again, I didn't expect this either. You've got four guys, like in A block, that are all equal on 12 points. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know what to think, dude. Like, I really don't know. Like, I'm starting to lose faith with Zack Sabre Jr. too, bro. I'm, I hate to say it. You know what I mean? I hate to say it, man. And That's what <sighs> happens when you start hot in the G1. Oh, it's true, bro. It's true. And I hate. I hate, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it, but it looks like Ibushi is going to, yeah, man. I don't want to say it. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think this might work out in the end because there is a problem with the G1 tournament, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen. Let's look at B-Block. Jeff Cobb, Kazuchika Okada. 
Those are the only two guys still in it. Oh, what a crazy coincidence. They wrestle each other on the final night of the tournament. Okada 7-1 and one after falling to Tama Tonga in the biggest upset in G1 Climax history. No offense, Tama, but like nobody saw that one coming. Like I would expect Yano to roll freaking Okada up before I would expect Tama Tonga to just straight up pin him clean. I was floored. I applaud you, sir. But wow. And but now this does set it up so that we have Jeff Cobb at eight and oh. We have Okada at seven and one. Winner takes all for the B block. I assume Okada is gonna win this. I don't think Jeff Cobb is ready to be a G1 finalist yet, even though they have given him one hell of a run throughout this tournament. Uh, Jimmy, do you agree with me? Okada over in, in the B block final. You think, right? But in saying that it's a shame for Cobb to get his first loss though, right at the end, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I mean, they're kind of trading wins, you know? I mean, Okada got Cobb, then Cobb got Okada right before the G1. Now Okada gets that win back. I mean, like it just seems logical yeah, to look, me. you called this dude you called it in particular with when it comes to Okada I did expect Cobb to get far too so this so doesn't I. surprise me right the unbeaten so, part surprises me that that surprises me too but he looks good bro he's gone on to a whole different level man and so, I think that's like, why they beat Okada you know to make Okada look more vulnerable going into right, this absolutely. world beater freaking Jeff Cobb match he's it's, it's he's brilliant man he's awesome to see and Look, I think you're right. I think Okada will get it. And then we go on to, like, you know, the final, and that is up in the air still, depending who comes out of uh, A block. So here's the problem with the G1 Climax. They run the finals inside of the Nippon Budokan, which is amazing. I love the Budokan. Beautiful venue. But the problem is you never know what the main event's going to be until 24 hours before the Budokan. And so you have to sell the Budokan on 24 hours notice. So as I look at this, what puts asses in seats inside of the Budokan? Kota Ibushi versus Kazuchika Okada. I mean, if that's the final, is anybody disappointed? I mean, well, yeah, you've got, you got, really. you got walk-up tickets coming. I mean, like they're coming. Look, man, on paper, you can't be disappointed regardless, right? But... It's just, I just feel like they're taking steps back by going that way. Oh, I, I just, that's just my opinion. You know what I mean? So by doing that, you're pretty much saying like, we still need to rely on the old guard. You know what I mean? When really, I think now's the time to, to start making new stars. And when I say new stars, I'm talking about on a whole different level, even with Tagaki, right? I mean, if he wanted the whole thing, right? Tell me you wouldn't elevate him to a whole different level, man. You know, do we really need to see Ibushi or Carter winning this whole thing again? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, the biggest thing for New Japan right now is they've got to put asses in seats. I mean, right, that I that's that. the biggest thing because they still make their money off ticket sales, right? You know, it's right. hilarious. I just looked this up because I wasn't sure, but I was pretty sure. You know, Jeff Cobb is six years older than Okada. What? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Dude. that freaking insane? 
No, bro. Six years. Kazuchika Okada is only 33 years old. Even still, he's only 33 years old. And he's six years old. Cobb. Jeff Cobb's 39. No way, bro. 39. 39. He's my fucking age. Are you kidding me, bro? Like, no way. I know he's been around for a long time when you really think about it. July 11th, 1982. Wow. He's older than me. Like, that's crazy, bro. How do you feel about yourself right now? I feel a lot better. <laughs> you feel a lot better? Or do you feel like a fat, well, out of shape piece of shit? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when it comes to that, you know, that's a different story, bro. Yeah. Hey, man, it, it's but, all right. Tanahashi makes me feel the same way. Like, you know. Dude, I mean, hey, and how old's Tanahashi, dude? Like, isn't he like 45 or something like that? Close to it. Maybe 44. Nah, 45 at least, dude. Surely. Tana is 44. Okay, yeah, I was pretty spot on because that's about right. You know what I mean? And, yeah, Tana but, hey, and Cena are basically right there together. I mean, hey, you know what I love seeing, dude? Like, have you seen the picture with Tana and Triple H at all? No, I don't think so. Man, they're both marking out at each other, bro. Does Hunter just dwarf him? Oh, yeah, 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 he does, he does, dude, he does. But they were both fucking happy to, like, be in each other's presence, put it that way, dude. Look it up. It's pretty cool, man. I find it pretty funny. It is crazy, man. But he does dwarf him. I mean, shit, when I met Tana, dude, we're close to the same height. He was just a little bit taller, man. So so let's, G1, let's say the final is Ibushi versus Okada. Who goes over? Oh, man. It's such a fucking hard one if it's them two. I mean, which it probably will be. I would have, you'd have to go a Carter, right? I mean, you would think, but it's a bad one, man. If it's four G one finals in a row for Kota Ibushi, Oof. could he win three in a row? Oh man, I don't I like. Mean, it, I know man. we've had back like to it. back. I think I think he's like the fourth or fifth back to back winner. I don't think anybody's ever done three in a row. Nah, no one. No one has done three in a row, bro. I'm telling you, Freaking no Ibushi. chance. Freaking Abushi. Oh, that sucks, bro. If if they go that way, man, that see, I'm so disappointed. Oh, that sucks. Bro. That's oh, that'd be awful. Kota Ibushi versus Shingo Takagi in the freaking Tokyo Dome. Oh, what a shit match that's gonna be. How fucking crazy is that, right? right. See, but when you think I mean, like that, then it's, <laughs> that's a different story. You know what I'm saying? What but a like, shit! Or what? What if we have to run, you know, the Osprey angle? So does that mean that you know you get Shingo versus Osprey, and then you end up with like Osprey versus Abushi, or or oh, Shingo God. versus Abushi, or <laughs> oh my Fuck. God, what a shit fucking matchup that is, oh. dude. What a bunch speaking, of horse shit is that? Oh, nobody wants to watch that crap. I mean, like, what are we saying? I know, man. That's see, we're we like, are we thinking plot, about this shit too hard? Like, you know what I mean? Maybe we were, bro. Maybe we are. You know what I mean? Look, I, I have faith in Gato and Jado, man. I mean, I'm sure the, this shit's gonna fucking pan out the way it should. Right, fucking somebody Would needs to put Jado in the main event of the fucking Tokyo Dome. That dude is stacked. Oh, he is gassed. Uh-huh. Holy really? shit! Oh my god! Uh, 
That's doing his best Hulk Hogan impression. Holy crap. <laughs> He's starting to make the, like, when, when, when you see like Jado with freaking Yujiro, you think one of those guys is a pro wrestler and the other guy's a pimp. I'm just saying. Well, they they're pretty much that, bro. I mean, shit. Let's be real, man. I you know what I mean? Thought thought this was Yujiro's year. Well, yeah, right. And I love Yujiro, bro. I'm a huge fan of his, man. But I, I uh, love Peter. Oh, Peter. <laughs> Pete. <laughs> Roll them eyes, Peter. Oh man. Apparently, Kenny used to like uh, hang out with her a lot, bro. She doesn't seem like his type. Right. Well, there's, uh, I don't know if they'll see each other, but he was kind of alluding like they were. So, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? If he is, he was one lucky prick. I bet Abushi <laughs> was jealous as shit. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit our friends at the Hameen Media Group over at channelattitude.com. Find us next week. We'll be live uh, probably on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search The Blow Off Pod. You'll be able to find us there. At DJ Mass Effects, at Not Jargo. Jimmy, anything you want to say before we wrap up this week? No, not not much other than uh you know, please like and subscribe right here, man. I mean, is it is it at the blow off man or is it uh at Mark Media where you can find the blow off? Um you can do either. They all oh, they all redirect to the same place. <laughs> the blowoffpod.com, at markmedia.com, michaeljargo.com, hitting the marks.com. Destinopod.com. We're we're podcasting horse. We will talk to you next week for an all-new edition of the blow-off for now. We're off like a prom dress. See ya. Bye.